Let me pray for our time in God's word. Father, as always, we come to you this morning. We open our Bibles, your very word written to us uh, so that we might hear from you. So God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and that uh, by your spirit working in us, that we would hear from you this morning, that your word would, would uh, instruct us, would correct us, would encourage us, would strengthen us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're starting at Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 this morning is where we pick up in our series through this book of the Bible called Philippians, a letter written by a church leader named Paul to a group of Christians, a church family in a town called Philippi. So this church leader, Paul, is writing this letter to them, his loved, his beloved friends, his beloved former church family, and, uh, and it is instructive to us as well. Verse 12, not that I have already at- obtained this, or I'm already, not that I am already perfect, so we want to make sure we know what he's talking about here, so we need to find the context of what he's talking about. So what is he talking about? Obtained what? Well, let's just jump back a few verses into the passage we covered last Sunday. Look back with me at verse 7, and then that'll help us see what it is that Paul is talking about when we get to this morning's passage. Verse 7. But whatever gain I had, whatever things he had counted as credit, things that he had going for himself, things that he could show to God. Verse 7. Whatever gain I had... I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For Jesus' sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. If you want to hear me shout rubbish a few times, and you didn't hear it last Sunday, just go on to our website, download last Sunday's sermon, and you got it right there. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Christ. Not having a righteousness of being made right with God on my own strength power that comes from the law, from rule keeping, but having a righteousness being made right with God that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I, Paul writes this, That I may know him. That is the goal. We reminded ourselves last Sunday, friends. That is the goal of following Jesus is to know him. And he continues. And know him in the power of his resurrection. And share in his sufferings. Becoming like Jesus in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is Paul's uh, incredibly passionate longing after Jesus. This, these last few verses, this is his incredible, passionate statement of his desire to grow spiritually, to know Jesus more and more. And as he continues to write then, and as we get into this morning's passage, we should see that this is an example to us. That we, as God works in our lives, are to have, will have, this same passionate longing after Jesus to become in, uh, to, to be full, full of him, to, to experience the fullness of what he has for us, to be found in Christ. So back to this morning's passage then, verse 12. And Paul is first, I think, telling us, making sure that we know, I haven't arrived. 
he's saying. I haven't arrived. Look at this, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Not that I've already arrived at this, at this spiritual fullness, at this full knowing of Jesus, at this full experiencing of all the blessings God has for me. I haven't arrived. In my journey of following Jesus, it's a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. So Paul is, is reminding us that this is true for us too, that if you're a follower of Jesus, our spiritual journey is incomplete. And this is, I think it's a really cool, humble thing for Paul to say here. Because when we think of the Apostle Paul, we think of the Apostle, this, this bigger-than-life church leader, the author of much of the New Testament portion of our Bible. And we think, wow, Paul. But he's saying, I haven't arrived, guys. There's still more spiritual growth ahead for me. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, um, I feel like I have this conversation with, with many. And, and it's probably been true for me at different times too. Wouldn't you say that, that oftentimes as Christians we look back fondly, we look back longingly at the early days of following Jesus? If you've been following Jesus for a, for a pretty good length of time or a very long time, don't we sometimes look back at those early days when we were a young Christian and, and, and we were passionate and we really saw God at work and we were making such leaps and bounds in our spiritual lives and in our, in our drawing close to Jesus and in being forgiven and in being transformed? Are you with me on that? Anybody sometimes think that? <laughs> I think that we often feel that way and I just, I just wonder... If part of that is we've inadvertently talked ourselves into thinking we've arrived. Because what's changed from that time? Nothing in regard to God. Nothing in regard to the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. That hasn't changed. God hasn't gone anywhere. The Spirit is alive in you and wants to help you be transformed from the inside out and give you a new heart, new desire, new attitude. Nothing's changed but but perhaps with us, perhaps as we've settled into life and into following Jesus, perhaps we've accidentally kind of felt like we arrived. And so we've cut short our spiritual disciplines, our, our, our engaging with God's word and spending time with God in a prayer. And perhaps we've decreased in our passion and as if we've been there, done that. But Paul's reminding us in this passage this morning he hasn't yet arrived. And so we need to be reminded that we haven't yet arrived at all that God has us for. Um, in fact, I think this is uh, something that was helpful for me about seminary. Seminary is when I got to go to grad school and study Bible and theology. And, um, and, and going to seminary was like drinking from a fire hose. Going to class and hearing these brilliant world-class theologians teaching about the Bible and about God was like trying to drink from a fire hose. And it was a great experience, and I learned a lot. But you know, I think one of the best things I learned from my time in seminary was how much I have yet to learn. I felt smarter in a lot of ways, but by all that fire hose of information, I also felt dumber felt more aware of all I have to learn, that I haven't arrived yet. 
and, and, and you know this to be true. If you've been around me for a while, you know this to be true of my walk with Jesus as well. I am still a mess on occasion. There is still work to do. I am still a work in progress. God is at work and wants to change, continue changing me from the inside out. And so um, similarly, for each of you that are followers of Jesus, uh, similarly, I think that as we mature in our spiritual lives, the longer we follow Jesus, the more we ought to become aware of our need for continued spiritual growth. We ought to become aware of the need for gospel progress. What's the gospel? As we often say, as we often remind ourselves around here, the gospel is the good news of what God has done to save sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so the gospel is to make progress in your life. And we, and we often talk about this too. Yes, as a follower of Jesus, yes, you have been saved, past tense, The good news of the gospel is, yes, a past tense salvation. In trusting in Christ, you have crossed from death to life. You have crossed from darkness into the light. You have have been forgiven and you are being made new. There is that past tense of our salvation for sure, but the gospel isn't just past tense good news. This is good news that is inactive in our lives today as followers of Jesus. It's the, it's the everyday, active, present tense gospel that continues helping us follow Jesus, that empowers us to live for him and grow in relationship with him. Let's look at verse 12 again. Not that I have already obtained this, or am I already perfect? I haven't yet arrived, but I press on. To make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I love this part. Pause there for a second. Look at that again. I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ took a hold of me. This is glorious good news if you're a follower of Jesus. And if you're not, I sure want you to be because of this glorious good news. We could, we could look at that same phrase there this way. I press on to seize what God has for me. Why? Because he already seized me. Do you know that to be true? Jesus had, has taken hold of me. Jesus has taken hold of Paul. Jesus has taken hold of you who are his followers. And so our response our natural response should be to take hold of him and all that he has for us. The Bible in Ephesians 2 says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. But God, through Jesus, made us alive again. He seized me. He seized you, and he put you at the starting line, and he gave you a swift kick. He put you in the race, and he set you going to enjoy all the fullness that Jesus has for you in following him. So why would I do this on the racetrack? I didn't see that this past week at the track meet. I didn't see anybody sit down in the middle of the, in the, of the course. There's no room 
in the race that God has seized you for, the work that he's done to rescue you and put you in the race and send you off to the fullness of what he has, there's no room in that race for, for a lame response or a cold effort or blah desire on our part. Jesus pursued you, rescued you, and so our natural response of thankfulness cannot include sitting idly by, inactive, stationary. I'm not saying, you know this over and over if you've heard me, I'm not saying you have to try hard, work hard, do stuff to earn his love and favor. He's already rescued you by his grace, right? He's already seized you and put you in the race. It's by God's grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, that you are saved, period. And, 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 and now we respond with our lives. And now we respond by the way we run. So Paul started with that reminder that we haven't yet arrived, and now as we continue here in verse 13, he urges us that we must strive to arrive. Verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider what I have uh, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We should see what we saw earlier of these race runners. We should see arms pumping and determined faces and effort extended. Paul says, press on. Run the race. Run hard. Like our faith Christian school students. We sang earlier, for me to live is Christ. For me to race is Christ. And so we keep, Paul urges us on to press on toward the goal. What's the goal? Well, we've kind of covered it. The goal, if we look at the context of this morning's passage, if we think back to what we've seen this morning and previously in the book of Philippians, what's the goal that we're pressing on to? It's to fully know Jesus. We just read those verses a few minutes ago. To know him. I'm running forward to know him. To, to, to meet Jesus, to enjoy life with Jesus, to find all that Jesus has for me living with him forever. The goal is to experience the blessings and rewards that come with life in Christ, now and eternal. And that includes the transformation of us, the sanctification, us being made new, given a new heart, new mind, new attitude, being changed from the inside out, being made more and more like Christ and that goal of that being completed when we, meet, when we meet Jesus. So we strive to arrive. So our lives include striving to arrive by forgetting what lies behind, not relying on past achievements, not dwelling on past failures or defeats. We look forward. We, by forgetting what lies behind, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean we actually forget about it. When Paul writes his letters, he recounts things from the past all the time. Hardship, trial, victories, successes, failures. He, we, don't, we don't forget about them, but, but we, we keep our eyes, we, we don't look back 
Because you think about the effect that that has on a runner. And, and I've seen, have you seen these videos? I've seen one passed around on the internet where the runner is in the lead, he's down the home stretch, he's going to win, and then when he looks over his shoulder, what happens? He stumbles, he falls, he, he loses just enough momentum that somebody swoops by at the end. So Paul says, we strive to arrive by forgetting what lies behind. Not that we actually forget those difficulties and challenges, but that we don't look over our shoulder and have it cause us to stumble and miss what God has in front. That make sense? So we strive to arrive by forgetting what lies behind, and we strive to arrive by looking forward at what lies ahead, the goal, the finish line, life with Jesus. And so... We, we need to allow this passage this morning, we need to allow God this morning to ask us the questions then, are you and I fully engaged in our pursuit of Jesus? Or just partly engaged? Are we all in on our spiritual growth? Are we running hard toward the goal? Toward Jesus? If we were in that video, would there be determined faces and arms pumping and effort expended not to earn God's love, not to have to match up so we can earn our salvation, but because of what he's done for us and wanting to know him more. We strive to arrive. Are we committed and engaged to this church family? Are we spending time in God's word? Not just on Sunday morning when Derek helps us, but are we spending time in God's word, hearing from him uh, all of our days? Are we connecting with God in prayer? Have we joined God's mission to the world to share the good news of Jesus near and far? Have we connected with the mission? Are we participating and serving others and serving Jesus as we serve others? All right, verse 15. Got your finger in the text there still? Following along? Philippians 3.15. I love this. Paul says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. In other words, those of us that are mature, followers of Jesus, let us think this way of, we haven't arrived. We've got to strive to arrive. We've got to press on. That's how mature followers of Jesus will We'll think. And then he says, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. <laughs> if you disagree with me, he says, God will graciously correct you in time. You will see that this is the attitude of a follower of Jesus, that we haven't arrived, and that because of him seizing us, we can reach back and strive and press forward and seize him. Verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. All of us, we have to stay the course. We don't depart, we don't fall back on the progress we've made so far in our spiritual life, in our following Jesus. We haven't arrived, we strive to arrive, and and we keep moving forward with God's help. So Paul reminds us as we continue in our passage, we've already seen, I haven't arrived, we strive to arrive, and now Paul's going to encourage us to imitate others 
in order to arrive. Verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. I always think this is such a bold thing for Paul to say. Join in imitating me. Because elsewhere in Scripture we have imitate God. Be like Jesus. And here Paul says, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Back in chapter 1, verse 27, this letter to the Philippians urged us in this way. It said, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Let the way you live, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of the good news of Jesus. And for our lives to be that way, for us to continue in this process of being transformed and being made new, one of the things that really could help us in that is to imitate others in order to arrive, in order to take hold of all that God has for you. Followers of Jesus do what? Follow Jesus. We've said for many months, followers of Jesus do what? So of course, yes, we want to follow Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. We want to do what he does. We want, to, we want to learn and be changed by him. But in this case, in today's passage and elsewhere, Paul urges us to follow or imitate or focus on the example of others. Um, I was thinking of Pastor Ed's recent sermon, too, a couple weeks back. Um, and he titled that sermon, Lives to Inspire. That, that, that there are other followers of Jesus in our Bibles and in our own lives that inspire us to walk more closely with Jesus ourselves. Encourage you to check, that, uh, check out that sermon on our website if you haven't already. And, and elsewhere, in 1 Corinthians 11, we see Paul say this, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So you follow me as I follow Jesus, Paul is saying. So what Jesus uh, followers do you have in your life to imitate? Have you put yourself in relationships? Have you put yourself, uh, have you gotten connected within our church family so that you have followers of Jesus who you can imitate? Uh, I want so much for you that are not to be further connected to know others in our church family, to be in a smaller gathering within our church family where you can know others and be known by them. A place where, unlike Sunday morning when it's a large group and it's, it's, it's not as easy to interact or when we do interact, it's a little more tendency to be surfaced. We need to be in a place and connected with other followers of Jesus where we can tell the truth about our lives and where when we tell the truth about our lives and our need to grow, where we are received with love and God's grace is extended to us through those friends and those brothers and sisters in Christ strive to help us arrive at all that God has in store for us. So I, I, I can't encourage you enough to be part of the family to learn to follow Jesus by finding examples to imitate. Uh, we can have mentors to imitate, mentors whose lives are worthy of the gospel, but not just mentors. We can put ourselves with peers whose 
who are pursuing Jesus too and, and who want to work together with us to help us grow in Christ. And some of the most noticeable spiritual growth in my life, when I think back of my years of following Jesus, um, yes, there was a point when I was rescued, when I was first saved, when I crossed from darkness to light, from life, from death to life, was forgiven, was made new, was saved, right? But when I think back of my many years of following Jesus, when I think of the changes that God has made in me, and I haven't yet arrived, but when I think of the victories that I've had over sin, or when I think of a growth, of spiritual growth in my life, it often has been when I have been connected with a, a group of people where I know them and they know me and I can tell the truth about my life and I can receive God's grace from them and, and a little bit of a loving kick in the rear to keep pressing on. And so right here in our passage, Paul reminds us to look for lives that are worthy of imitation, those around us that are living lives that, that glorify Jesus, because as he continues here in verse 18, there are, there are those whose lives are not worthy of the gospel. Verse 18. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, this breaks Paul's heart, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And of course, that makes me think of the contrast that we find in Colossians 3, 2, that reminds us as followers of Jesus that we are to set our minds on things above. Forgetting what lies behind. Looking to what lies ahead. We haven't arrived. We, we should strive to arrive. We can imitate others in order to arrive and then the passage ends with this great reminder and encouragement that in Jesus, you will arrive. Verse 20. But our citizenship, followers of Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven. This, is, this earth is not our true home. We are just passing through. So the, the painful difficulties and trial and suffering that come along with this earthly life are difficult, but Jesus is with us, and he reminds us that this is not our true home, that our citizenship is in heaven. And we talked about this in more detail uh, about a month back. So again, if, if you haven't had a chance to, if you, if you miss an occasional sermon, if you're not, we love to have you here in this room with your church family as often as possible. But our website and iTunes, and uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast uh, app, and encourage you to, to stay with us as we study God's word Sunday after Sunday. Um, because about a month ago, we talked about this uh, idea of that our true uh, home, that our true citizenship is in heaven. So verse 20 again. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Friends, at the finish line, when, when, we, when our earthly journey is over or Jesus returns, what awaits believers is a radical transformation of our whole person. 
What, what believers have to look forward to, what believers press on toward, is a radical transformation of our whole person. And we see in this passage, not only will it be our mortal, earthly, physical bodies that are here decaying and getting older, but they will be transformed and made new and we will be given these glorified bodies like that of the resurrected Jesus. And not only that, but our sanctification process will be complete. We will be like him. The work that God is doing in our lives now as we press on and empowered by his grace, the transformation, giving, making us new from the inside out, that process will be complete. We haven't arrived, Paul says, but we can strive to arrive. We can imitate others in order to arrive. And with Jesus, you will arrive. Empower, Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit is living within you if you're a follower of Jesus. And, and Jesus will see you through. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your loving grace and mercy. Heavenly Father, we thank you that through Jesus you have adopted us into your family. We thank you that because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we too can have new life. And because, God, you have adopted us into your family and because you give us new life, remind us and help us to know this morning that our true home, our true citizenship is with you in heaven. So while this earth is not our, 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 our true home, our ultimate home, you have us here for a reason. Help us to look to you. Give us your eyes for people around us. Help give us insights, God, we pray, into your purposes for us in our time here. Help us to honor you in all that we do. God, we desire to press on. You have done so much for us. Your, your great love shown to us in the undeserved grace that we received through Jesus rescuing us. You have done so much. Help us to honor you in all that we do. Help us to press on toward that goal of, of experiencing all that you have for us, of knowing you more and more. Help us to run the race that you've given us. Remind us that we haven't arrived. God, we know you have so much more for us. I pray that you'd help me and my friends in this room not sit down on the track. But God, because you're working in us, because you have seized and pursued and rescued us, would we reach back to you? Would we press on? Would we run hard? God, would you bring people into our lives whose lives are worthy of imitation so that we can know you as we imitate others? And God, we thank you for that amazing love that, that grabbed a hold of us so we live our lives out of faithfulness. Out of, out of faithfulness to you and all that you've done. Help us to take hold of all you have for us. We want to live for you. We want to honor you in all that we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.